Oh, good evening. I'm Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Hey, uh, Bunko Night is women only because uh, they want to win, and they couldn't hack. They couldn't hack that I won, and that was just it. They're like, one, you're too loud. Two, stop rolling the dice right. That is true. We were partners. We were partners. Good job. Um, but yes, thank you, Debbie. Um, it was a huge honor this last week. Um, I know I mentioned coaching and stuff, but this last week um, I got uh, voted in as coach of the year for our league in wrestling, so that was cool. That way you're not just sitting out there going, coach of the year, what does that mean? Um, but anyhow, so that's really, really cool. Um, tonight, I want to get into my message. Tonight is the title why the five? And uh, that basically is reference to why do we have five guidelines? Well, great question. Because when you go to group, if you're like me, the person pulls out the guidelines and starts reading and you tune out. You're like a couple minutes for me to veg and think about the, the focus question or I've heard this 900 times, why do I need to listen to it again? Um, but these five guidelines have impacted my life tremendously. I came from a background where I felt very unsafe. My church environment was very unsafe. It was from an environment of legalism. I was met with, um, hey, thanks for sharing. Go and sin no more. Hey, here's a Bible verse. Hey, I'll pray for you. You got anybody ever hear that? I'll pray for you. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, right? I had confessed on a couple different occasions. People had stopped talking to me. Um, I, was, I, I felt like I was like the big pervert of the youth group at the time, right? I was that kid. Um, you know, in the step study work, you say, what's your family secret? Well, I was a family secret. And uh, nobody, everybody knew no one wanted to talk about it. And so my experiences in church have been one of hurt and pain when it came to my issues of addiction. In Alaska, when I was found out, um, and I, after two years of destroying relationships because of my addiction, when I was leaving, I went to the um, elder board, and I went and I made my amends. At the time, I wish I knew how to make amends, but I didn't, so it's okay. I went in with expectations, and I got hurt by it, and I remember after making my amends, the fact that they said, hey, I hope wherever you go, you're going to get help. And they didn't know that I was going to come here back to Modesto and I was going to step into the rooms of recovery within a matter of weeks. And that was huge. All I know is it hurt. Every time I would open up, people would try to fix me. They'd try to solve my problems. They'd try to tell me how I was wrong. Uh, there's an old uh, um, Bob Newhart sketch where uh, somebody goes to the, him for uh, help and he just says, stop it. Just stop it. Uh, well, I don't want to do this behavior. Stop it. And it's just stop it. And that's kind of what I would feel. And so when I walked in the rooms of recovery and I walked into the ark, which is where we were having it for the very first time, and I walked in, I sat down. I came in late because I didn't want anybody to see me. I sat down and sure enough, I sit behind the one guy I knew who turns around and goes, hey, Scott. And I'm all, oh, darn it. It was awesome. And uh, after that, I went to open share group. And when I went to open share group, I remember sitting in that room and freaked out, 
freaked out. Like it was like my adrenaline was pumping. I was scared as I'll get out. My fight or flight was straight up in effect. All I wanted to do was run. At the time, we only had a chemical addiction group and we had a codependent group. So I am the only sex addict sitting in this room and everyone's going around saying they're chemical addict, chemical addict, chemical addict, chemical addict, chemical addict, chemical addict, and it gets to me and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm a sex addict. And I said, hey, Scott. And how welcoming that was to me. They didn't look at me weird. They didn't judge me. They just said, hey, when I got done sharing, which is probably for the first time I voluntarily shared out loud that I was a sex addict, they said, thank you for sharing. Here's why that room was so safe for me. That room was safe for me because of the five guidelines that we're gonna talk about tonight. And if you're here for the first time, I want you to know I take your safety very, very serious. I hope that you can find that to be true. But... Uh, Sometimes um, we need that room of grace and that's what I've found. And so let's go over the five guidelines. First guideline is this. Keep your sharing focused on your own thoughts and feelings and limit your sharing three to five minutes. That's the guideline. Not a rule, guideline. There's a difference between rules and guidelines. This is to guide our groups. Guide, steer it in the right direction. But first of all, Keep your sharing focused on your own thoughts and feelings. Keep it focused on you. Keep it focused on three to five minutes. That's huge. Let me read a passage of scripture out of Matthew chapter seven, verses three through five, and it says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I share that because we need to talk about ourselves. When we go in there, I don't care where you, what group you go to, whatever group you've gone, you're going to, in your life, I know there has been hurt and pain. I know somebody has hurt you and caused deep pain in your life. Whether it was in your childhood or whether it is that you just got revealed to that your uh, spouse is behaving in a certain way. There's deep emotional pain. And although it seems like the right time and place to share that so everyone can jump on board and like support you and be like, oh, it's okay. That's not the time. We need to keep it focused on ourselves, on our own thoughts and feelings. We do this by doing what? We use I and me statements. I and me statements. That helps us keep it focused on us Otherwise, it can become complaining about our spouse time. We can start complaining and getting mad, getting angry, and sharing all these wonderful stories about how evil they are. You know, the person you love. Yeah, that person. It becomes that story time. Let me encourage you with this. Save the soap opera for later. When I grew up, my mom, I knew, watched soap operas. It was Young and the Restless. There was a 30-minute one, I think, around 12.30 that came on. Um, Bold and Beautiful, I think, is what it was. And then Days of Our Lives. Those were the three that she watched. Like sand through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives, right? I know that. That's sad that I know that, but I do know that. That's scary. Um, but I do know those things, that that was one of the things that my mom would watch. 
And I remember the drama that would come in. I don't know who was sleeping with who and who killed who and whose baby was a half baby and somebody else. I didn't know. I was super confused. And guess what? When we go in a group and we start sharing our soap opera of our life, because sometimes I know if you're anything like me, I feel like my life is a soap opera sometimes. But we need to keep the soap opera out of the room. That's why we share about I and me. Hey, I felt like this. Hey, I feel like this. Hey, this happened and this is how it affected me. We start sharing about I and me statements. And that's huge. That is huge. Sometimes in groups, we can almost get to a point where we start to verbally be an exhibitionist. What? Scott, that's a weird phrase. Yes, I know. When we start to glorify our behavior and we start talking about the last time we went out and the last time we had that hit, the last time we drank that beer, whatever it was that you had, it was huge. The last time you went and you used or you looked at that porn site or you went and had an affair or whatever it was or the last time you went and ate that specific pizza and you get into details about the pizza and the sauce and the cheese, right? It starts, you become this verbal exhibitionist. And everybody else in your group that's there for the same issue is now jonesing with you for whatever you were talking about. They're like, oh yeah, that sounds super awesome. We need to be careful that when we go into that time to share that we're not doing that. We're using I me statements and we're not glorifying some of our past behaviors. And I've sat in groups before where it's been glorified. And I see everybody start to squirm in their chairs. I see some guys get up and walk out because they have a boundary set up. I ha I've seen those things. That's, it's a good to have those boundaries, but we need to make sure that it's not story time and that we're not doing that. And plus, the reason why we do three to five minutes, it gives other people an opportunity to share. If you are hurting and you need to share a lot, I understand that. That's where you get a sponsor that's why you get accountability partners. And that's why you pay somebody 120 bucks to go sit in their office as a counselor and share those things. And believe me, I've done it. I do it. I just had an appointment with my counselor just the other week. And all I did is I vomited for 50 minutes. And then he goes, time's up. That was the easiest 50 minutes ever. He just made 120 buck bank. Bam, awesome. Thanks, Scott. He didn't say a word. He just sat there and listened. I was like, I got more. I know. It's not a time to vomit out our stuff. Now, I get there may be moments, there may be times you need to vomit out some things. You need to find people that you can trust to do that. But when we're in group, that's not the time or place for that. And it's okay. It's okay. So keep your sharing focused on your own thoughts and feelings and limit your sharing three to five minutes. It help, helps guide our group, all right? Helps keep it focused on our focus question because we all have that focus question, right? You guys have the bulletin, you got the focus question with you, right? Your facilitator has it already, usually gets it on uh, Monday, and it's there, it's there. So the second one is this, there's no crosstalk. Crosstalk is when two people engage in conversations, excluding all others. Each person is free to express his or her feelings without interruptions. Hold on a second. <laughs> right, is that not weird? Like you're in group and you're talking and all of a sudden somebody pulls out their phone in response to a text message. That's rude. 
I get that we are important people. I understand that. Some of us, it's our job, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying just pulling out your phone and responding real quickly to a text because it's important is of the devil. And that's what I'm, not what I'm saying. What I am saying is we need to be careful and we need to be thoughtful of the people sitting in group. If you pull out your phone and like for me, I play Clash Royale. If I pull out my phone and start playing Clash Royale, well, that's rude. That's disrespectful. The main key to this is don't be rude. Don't be rude. If you're sitting there and you're talking to the person next to you, even though it's one little comment that's like, hey, Saturday, you want to go get coffee, whatever it may be, right? Even though it's a quick comment, the person sharing may think you're talking about them. And it's going to shut them down. It's not going to allow it to be a safe place. Well, James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 says this. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. How I know this is true scripture. Because I know that when I get into my flesh, when I get into my anger, it does not produce righteous life. God desires us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's huge. Don't react to other people when people are talking. You're like, amen, right? Right, I get it. Now, I'm not saying if they make a joke, you can't chuckle, you can't laugh, but we need to make sure that we don't overdo it. We don't say, hey, thanks, you know, great share. What happens to the guy that, does, that shares and you don't say great share, right? It's just weird. It's just, a, just don't be rude. Tears are healing, used to be that at one time there was this belief if somebody was in your group and they started crying, you couldn't give them a handkerchief or a, man, who uses handkerchiefs anymore? Man, or a Kleenex or any, there's a few that, hey, raise your hand, I love it. Is it embroidered too? That is awesome. Um, I want one, I want an embroidered handkerchief, babe, come on. Um, right, but... It used to be believed that you shouldn't even hand them a Kleenex. No, 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 that's not what we're saying. We want people to feel their emotions. We want them to be able to talk. We want them to be able to share without interrupting them. Now, if they've got that cry on, and there's a difference between, you know, they're crying, they're sniffing, and some tears are coming down, and a difference between their cry face. You know that ugly cry face where their whole face puckers up in this weird formation that you're like, whoa. Yeah. That, you may want, to, may want to intervene and say, hey, here you go, put your arm around them, give them a Kleenex, whatever that may be. I get that, all right? It's important that we put others in front of ourselves, that we give them that same respect that we would want to get. And that's huge. That is huge. The third one is this. We are here to support one another, not fix one another. This keeps us focused on our own issues. That's huge. We're not here to, we are here to support one another, not fix one another. In group, even though I may be in your group and I'm the pastor of the ministry, I'm not there to fix anybody. I'm not an authority because you guys have all heard me teach and you all know my story. I am messed up, just like you. And I'm not there as an authority. There's, there's people in here that are counselors in our community. There's people in here that are police officers in our community. There's people that are in here that have high levels of authority outside in the business world. 
And when they're in group, they're just like everybody else. That's important to know. Even the person facilitating the group is not the law. They're there as a facilitator. They're there just equally as messed up. They just have more sobriety maybe and more time and hold to the guidelines a little bit and can facilitate at this time. That's all that that means. And so important to remember that. We all have opinions and uh, Proverbs 18.2 says this, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding but delights in airing his own opinion. When somebody shares, we all got our own opinions. I get it. Some people share some stuff and I'm like, whoa, I should probably speak up. But I don't. I don't. I stop and I go, okay, I'm just gonna let it ride. I'm gonna trust that the Holy Spirit that is in me is the same Holy Spirit that is in them and that Spirit will do his work. I don't have to do the Holy Spirit's work for him. Right? Um, I just lost my place. There we go. Uh, sometimes um, Proverbs 18, verse 13, I don't think you guys have it up there. If one gives an answer before he hears, he is folly, uh, it is his folly and shame. Let me read that again. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. That sometimes we're so quick to that response and we want to share that answer. And Oh, I got the solution for you. Awesome. Did you write the solutions portion of our pamphlets out there? Because if not, you should write one for us. Um, It would help us out. Um, A lot of times we share, hey, here's what works for me, right? So somebody shares, and then it's your turn to share, and they're like, oh, and then you respond and you rebuttal to what they just shared. That's not the point of shares. We've all been in groups when that's happened. We just want to be respectful of them. We're not there to fix them through our share Um, when we step into the role of the answer man or answer woman, we take God's spot. When you feel like you're the one that has to share and lay everybody straight, right? You may be stepping into God's spot and maybe there's some work that needs to be done regarding steps two and three to realize that there is a higher power out there greater than yourself that can restore you to sanity. And that's huge. That is huge. I've gone to groups. When I was first starting to share before there was a food group, I remember going to groups. I remember sharing, hey, I'm Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I'm in recovery from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. And then I'd be walking back from group and people would offer me their unsolicited advice. Unsolicited was a key word. And they would say, hey, have you tried this diet? Like the Atkins one? Or they'd share, hey, have you just tried to stop it? Like, just stop eating? Like, don't put food in your mouth? Like, <laughs> like you know that that's bad for you? You don't have to, you can have like three Cheez-Its, but past that, don't be shoving it in your mouth, like by the, the little bags, right? And they just start giving me these dietary things. And every single time, I wanted to punch them. You know, I can compulsively, this is how sick I am. I can compulsively overeat on salad. <laughs> you get me to the right Salad buffet, and I'm going to put it down. Because here's the thing. The issue isn't with food. The issue is with with my desire to be comforted through food. And if I don't deal with the core issue of why I'm wanting to get comforted, then it doesn't matter what's in front of me. I'm going to eat it. 
And believe me, there's been some nasty stuff that I've eaten just because I'm trying to seek comfort. There's times I've been standing at the refrigerator, I open it up and I just start sampling all the condiments because I'm looking for something, (laughs) some fix to get me through whatever it is that is destroying me. And some of you are like, dude, that's weird. I'm leaving right now. And there's other people that are food addicts in this room that understand what I'm talking about. Shaking their head, yeah. I remember that, right? If something that you have to say is important and you feel like, hey, this could benefit them, I would encourage you, instead of sharing it in group, that maybe afterwards you would ask permission to speak into their life. And you would give them the opportunity to say no or yes, I'd love to hear it. I'm not against getting advice. There's great wisdom in getting advice. It's just, is it, is it unsolicited advice? Um, four. Question or guideline four. Anonymity and confidentiality are basic requirements What is shared in the group stays in the group. The only exception is when someone threatens to injure themselves or others. Anonymity, the word that when everyone hands that pamphlet around, no one can read the word. I've just had 18 years of practice, so I'm getting a little better at it. Anonymity, it's weird. It's a word one. It's a weird word. Anonymity and confidentiality. Anonymity is huge. I've gone to some uh, outside programs, and in those programs, they will say a phrase, you know, who we see here, what's shared here stays here. Here, here. Right? When you walk out of these doors, you don't go and you don't tell somebody, you know, who's at CR tonight? No, we don't do that. Because we're all part of a family here, and they need to have their privacy. They need to have their privacy laid out in a way that's simple for them. I remember early on in my recovery, but I just got hired here. I would do, be doing just announcements, and Scott Miller was the recovery pastor, and I was kind of the singles pastor, and I'd help out with CR a little bit. I remember doing announcements, and I remember one time going to the gym. This is back when I would work out. And uh, I, would get, I went to Brenda Athletic Club, and I'm in there, and I'm, I'm getting ready for work, and this dude's walking in there, and he's all excited because he, he has his in a chip and he's talking and I got my three month in a chip. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. And we were talking for a little bit and there's about 10 guys in this locker room. And then, then he's like, oh, I remember you. You're that sex guy. I haven't seen grown men run from a locker room like that ever, but that place emptied. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Basically, don't do that. <laughs> you see somebody at the grocery store, don't say, hey, it's me, I'm from CR, don't say that. You can nod to them, you can give them the head nod, you can give them the fist bump, whatever you need to do. Be polite in it, but don't blow their cover. Don't blow their cover. And confidentiality, Proverbs eleven thirteen says this, a gossip goes around revealing secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence that you would keep what's shared here, here. It's not your story to tell. One of the things that um, would happen to me 
growing up is I'd go hang out with my friends and I'd come back and my mom would be like, hey, who was there? I'd list off, oh, so-and-so, so-and-so. All right, so what'd you guys do? Like, hey, what about this? Oh, give me details. Give me, and it was like this interrogation of what we did, how we did it, when we did it. This was back before they had that uh, Life 360 and they could track everywhere you went. It was the mom interrogation, right? I remember those things and, and I had to come to a point somewhere in my relationship with my mom as I got into recovery and I learned this phrase from Scott Miller is it's not my story to tell. It's not my story to tell. You want that information? It's not my story to tell. I remember Rick Countryman would come to Scott Miller and I in our meetings and sometimes he would ask, hey, was so-and-so there? Was it's not my story to tell. I know you're the senior pastor of our church. I know you have a good heart behind it and you're not trying to cause pain, but it's not my story to tell. You need to call them, you need to talk to them. That's huge, that's huge. That's why we have court cards out there for people that come here for good Sam and they're like, hey, were they there? I'm like, it's not my story to tell. But if they were there, they should have one of those cards and they should have it filled out by their facilitator that proves that they were here. So that's that good. Here's the most important part of this. If there is in group a suicidal threat or a threat to hurt somebody else, that's the exception to the rule that we have to take serious and we have to address. That may mean us giving you a call. That may mean your facilitator doesn't know how to handle it and they come and talk to me and I'm the guy that has to call you, although I wasn't sitting in your group. And that's tough and that's to protect you because we take suicidal ideation very seriously. We take it very seriously. Why? Because we care for you that much. And we don't want to see anything happen to you. And so if that's something that's brought up in group, just expect us to respond to that. And we're not going to be like, oh, jump all over you. But we are going to respond because we care about you. We're going to follow up with a phone call. We're going to follow up with talking to you. We're going to follow up with caring for you. Because that's huge. Um, five, offensive language has no place in a Christ-centered recovery group. Don't be dropping F-bombs in there and all that kind of stuff, right? It seems pretty self-explanatory. I get it. But I also understand when we're sharing and we're heated on something, words can slip out. This is one that's definitely a guideline. I've been in groups before where words have slipped out. I get it. I understand. Never offends me at all. And people will always say, oh, sorry, Pastor. It doesn't matter. Share what you got to share, but be respectful. But I want to go to this passage, which is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So when you're sharing, are you sharing things that are pro providing benefit to those who are listening? When you're sharing, are you bringing forward experience, strength, and hope? Or are you Debbie Downer? Or are you sharing the same thing every single time? Or when you're going in there, are you sharing how these steps and how these things are helping you along in your recovery? No matter how many years you got or how great your recovery is or how small it may be, are you sharing that experience, that strength, and that hope? That's huge. When we're talking and we're sharing a story about how our spouse hurt us, I understand that hurt is deep. And sometimes we can let our talk really go bad. 
I understand that, but are we building others up and it's gonna help them? The need to create an environment where you guys can be safe and find healing is huge to me. It's huge. Not only because in the 12th step it says this, that we would practice these principles in our, all our affairs. In everything we do, in everything we say, in every action we take, in every interaction we have with people, we would practice these principles in all our affairs. It's huge. So, I've taken these five guidelines and I've tried to apply them to my marriage, and I understand. I understand it's difficult. You're like, how do you apply these to your guidelines? Well, guess what? When I have a tough, difficult conversation, we try to limit our conversation. We try to limit to three to five minutes so it's not like a 45-minute lecture, right? Because that's what I get. That's what my wife sees. Like, she hits the time limit, and I'm like, I'm out. And glazed, like, you see the glazed over? I've had enough glazed donuts to know it just works out. And uh, those three to five minutes. And then when we do share, we try to talk about ourselves. I mean statements. Once the you comes out or once that happens, defense mode comes up. Right? The next one is no crosstalk. I don't interrupt my wife. I don't get on my phone and be like, this is boring. I don't turn into sports center. I, don't, I pause whatever show I'm watching. All right? I pause it. If it's a sports, I'm, it may even be that she wants to talk about something. Like, Can we wait till the quarter's over? Like, whatever it may be. And sometimes we got to do that. The no fixing, that's huge. I try not to fix her. And she tries not to fix me. And uh, we do pretty good at that. The anonymity and confidentiality is kind of weird. Like, everybody knows we're married. No, I get it, but not everybody needs to know what happens in your marriage, right? So I encourage you, you don't need to talk to everybody about your marriage, but you need to have your people like your sponsor, your accountability partners, important people that you guys trust that you guys can discuss those things with. Not your mom, your sister, your brothers, your dad. Holidays get really, really awkward at that moment. Because you may be able to forgive them, but guess what? They probably won't unless they're working their recovery program. And that's huge. So I encourage you with that. And then offensive language, that carries so much into the marriage. You know how many people I talk to that I hear the hurt and pain by what their spouse has said to them because they've been degraded, they've been cussed at, they've been called certain things, they've been talked down to rather than what should be building them up. Let me encourage you, take these guidelines and apply them to all your affairs. Apply them to your life. Apply them to the things that you do. Let me encourage you. It'll be safe. Some of us want to be safe people that people can come and talk to. The question you may have to ask yourself is, are you truly a safe person that people want to come and talk to? Or do you break some of these guidelines? Let me close our time in prayer and then we'll stand up and uh, close the whole thing out with our serenity prayer. God, thank you for uh, tonight. Thank you for these uh, men and women. And Lord, what a topic, the guidelines. Doesn't seem very exciting, but how relevant and how important it is for the safety of the men and women here that attend, that go into open share groups and talk. Lord, thank you for working in us and through us. And may your Holy Spirit continue to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand. First timers, before we dismiss, first timers, 
After we close with the serenity prayer, right across the hallway into the altar room, second timers right up front. If you're watching online and you want the focus question, is what is the uh, most important of the five guidelines to you and how has it been impactful to you? That was by my memory. It's not exactly what was written down, but it was a good try. So let's close with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen.